0: The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. Recognizing the unsung heroes of sports media. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. This is the
1: Producers Podcast with Brady Farkas. I'm the executive producer. Oh, you're the executive producer. And it starts now. Now. Today, we have a great conversation with Al Dukes of WFAN in New York. He's got such a fascinating career arc, right? He is the producer of Boomer and Geo in the mornings on WFAN. Previously, he was with Boomer and Carton. So we talk about the transition between Boomer and Carton to Boomer and Geo. We talk about his time working with Opie and Anthony, and then with Howard Stern for a little bit as well. So this guy's been in radio for a long time in in New York and worked with some pretty prominent hosts. So looking forward to uh, sitting down with Al Dukes of WFAN in New York. People change radio partners all the time, but it's not always easy to replicate success. And you've worked with Boomer both with Carton and with Geo. What do you do as a producer to help him have success in any any environment?
0: Uh, well, with Boomer, when the situation happened with Craig and he left, you know, I think the company wanted to try a bunch of different people out for to, to be Boomer's new partner. And I had kind of urged them that uh, let's not – I didn't want to do that I, because – I know for radio, consistency is important. And I wanted people to know what they were going to get every morning when they tuned in. So that's why kind of Jerry Recco slid over into uh, Craig's spot for a little while. Because I just didn't want, all of a sudden, all these new voices on the show week in and week out. And I thought, well, Craig was is no longer there, but nothing's in his place. So it's not like we added something strange. So there wasn't a new voice on in the morning. And it wasn't until like we really started narrowing it down to who who could fill that role, did we start putting people in for a couple of days at a time or a week at a time. Because I really just wanted some stability in what we were were doing. And then Boomer sort of took over the role of he and Craig at that time, you know? Mm. So um, during the Boomer and Carton years, I think Boomer really gave the radio stuff to the radio guy to handle, you know? And once uh, Craig left, you know, Boomer's name was the name on the, the title. Now he was the only one. So uh, I think he, he grabbed that responsibility of things that he had kind of uh, given to Craig to do so it was just a matter of trying to keep some consistency no new voices unless we thought that new voice had a real legit um uh opportunity to to take over that role you
1: know, it's amazing you talk about you having a voice and and power within the company to kind of help make the transition easier. And I talk to a lot of young producers or a lot of new producers that don't have that voice, that don't have that power. At what point in your career did you feel comfortable going to management and knowing that they were going to listen to what you say and it wasn't overstepping boundaries?
0: Well, I, I was in with the, the company itself for now 21 years. I was uh, working at WNEW with Chris Olivero and we were both producers there. So I've known Chris Olivero a really long time. I knew Mark Chernoff at that point and worked at Mark Chernoff for uh, the then 10 years at FAN and a a couple years at corporate and K Rock. And so I just, um, I, I knew, I just had worked with those guys for so long that I think they just trusted my. Uh, input as well as they were looking for input too. Everyone was kind of just like, well, you know, what's the grit? What's, what do you think the right thing to do here is? Uh, so we all kind of uh, met casually a couple different times, phone conversations, just like, what do you think the right move here is to do? So uh, I think just my length of time working with those guys and especially Chris Oliveira, I've worked with him since, since <laughs> 2001 at WNEW.
1: How has the producer position as a whole changed over the course of your 21 years?
0: Well, I think everybody, the hosts, the callers, the listeners, everybody has access to all the information now. You know what I mean? So it's not like we, have some, we don't have any facts or knowledge that the audience doesn't have. So now it's a matter of what are you going to do different with that knowledge? What is your opinion going to be on the topic? What is your argument going to be on a topic? Because it used to be like you were the like during the Mike and Chris era like in the mad dog, I think they had a lot more information than the audience had. But now with the internet, everyone's on Twitter, everyone has breaking news capabilities. It just is is very different there. So I'm just looking for more, uh, opinions and arguments and taking an angle and taking, uh, a side on something and arguing it hard. Um, I, I've, I've used callers a lot less and guests a lot less than most people. Like I do not like guests and I pretty much eliminated that. It's been hard, <laughs> it's been hard for me to try to eliminate callers from a talk radio station, but. Like, they don't bring anything to the table. And guests in particular, if it's a current athlete, they don't say anything. Like, they're just – because if they say anything, it'll get ripped apart in the news. Uh, If if you're talking about having a writer or uh, insider, any information they have, they're not going to give it to you. It's going to be on Twitter first. So why do I need to talk to Ian Rappaport when I know all the things he's reporting? Hmm. And I, uh, and then of as course, as the callers go, you know, don't regurgitate what the host just said. Don't say something obvious. What, what can you bring to the table that we don't have, whether that's something funny or uh, an experience you had, you were at the game that we weren't at, you know, that's what I'm looking for the caller for. But I also know that, you know, on a morning show, I'm at that advantage of I've got, you know, Geo, Jerry, me, Eddie, we all speak on the show. That's five voices, you know. So I'm not as much in need of the caller as say, you know, Sal Licata, who does overnight five hours talking by himself. He's going to need the callers or going to want the callers uh, to give him something that I don't necessarily need with five voices on in the morning.
1: You know, one thing I've always been curious about is the line and how far you can go before you worry about, you know, your partners to get upset. And what I mean is, is my yeah. my day job is is in, you know, small market New England radio in Vermont. I can say whatever I want about the Red Sox or the Patriots. And even though we're right. affiliates, they're never going to hear about it and I'm certainly never <laughs> right. going to get a call on it. You guys, big right. market, home of the Yankees. Obviously, you're going to be honest, but, you know, at some point I have to imagine there's a delicate balance there. I'm just curious about what it's like to be the affiliate or the home of in, you know, right in that team city.
0: Yeah, I'm actually surprised that we don't hear from the team, but we, I don't recall for the morning show, like, hearing from the Jets, the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, no matter how hard. And I do think about that sometimes, like, especially if, you know, we just did like a remote broadcast at Jets training camp, right? Yeah. And you're face to face (laughs) with these guys. And then like two weeks later after week one, we're just, this guy's not right for the job. He's got to go. I I don't know if they just assume that's part of the New York media, that they're going to get killed even so, I don't know. It, it, it honestly doesn't come up. So, and I am surprised by it sometimes. Especially, with, like, people like, Brian Cashman needs to be fired. And then, like, Brian Cashman is on the radio station <laughs> for a 30-minute interview on a, on another show. I'm like, wow, this these guys just, I think it's just part of what the teams expect being in New York City. You
1: know, I, I've worked in... Two markets, right? I started my career in Albany, New York, and then, you know, now I'm in Vermont. And it's not that there weren't other sports stations in our market, but there was no, never a clear rivalry, right? Like it was always yeah. either my station was was the the legacy station or in Vermont, there is no competition, truthfully. And you guys have rivalry with ESPN New York, and I know the rivalry ebbs and flows back and forth between which day part, etc. When you have that rivalry, is that inspiring? Is it fun? Is there pressure? What's that like as the producer? Because I've never really lived it in my career.
0: I don't think we've really had a local competitor in our time slot on ESPN yep. in New York. Um, so the difference there is they're going to cover, uh, you know, during football season, they'll cover all of the NFL basketball season, all of the NBA where we'll focus on jets, giants, and be, you know, they don't probably don't even really cover baseball. I don't think, you know, baseball is such a local sport now, regional sport. So, it, it's, it's been a completely different thing. I think, you know, we're, we're the local, we're always talking Jets, Giants, that's Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, you know, and they don't have that. The other thing, and again, this goes back to my thing about guests, ESPN requires their, their guys to go on all of these radio shows. So while we're talking and breaking down the Yankee playoff game, they may be talking to uh, their Dallas Cowboy, Insider about the Cowboys like that, so I don't ever. They've never really ratings-wise in the morning been a competitor to us. You know, uh, our competitors are you know the, the some of the music stations in the market.
1: Speaking of music, you have a background in other forms of radio. You know, Opie and Anthony working with Howard Stern. What was the transition like for you and your career over to sports full time?
0: Well, I'm not even <laughs> really a big sports fan, so. <laughs> I was working with Opie and Anthony second time. This is their tenure at 92 three, which was called three FM at the time. when they came over after Howard Stern left and David Lee Roth left. Um, So, and I had, I'd known uh, Craig Carton from WNEW. And when they were going, when Craig and Boomer were going to start at WFAN and I talked to Chernoff and I talked to Chris Olivero and Craig and, I was like, I don't really follow sports all that much. You know, I, I was watching the NFL, but that was really about it. You're like, no, 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 no worries. We're, we've got that covered. You know, we, we want to have fun in the morning too and do things that aren't hardcore sports. So that's how I wound up there. Now, over the time that I've been there, I certainly know a lot more about sports than I did going in because I do all of the... You know, I I go through all the sports and and get all that stuff ready for the guys in the morning. So I feel very well-versed now to talk sports. But it wasn't – I was always a talk radio person first and sports a distant second, you know. I'm
1: 32. I would consider myself too young to have really listened to and appreciated Stern. So I guess my question is just what was it like? What was it like to be around Howard Stern as the king of all media back in the day?
0: Now, my time at K-Rock was very brief in the Howard Stern years. I, I got hired there. When I started there is when Howard put in his one-year notice. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I really only worked with him or worked in the building with him six months to a year. And I only saw him in the hallway one time. Wow. So I would see like Gary DeLabate. I would see uh, Richard and Sal. I would see all those guys because those guys worked all day you know I, I was working at in the afternoon show at that time and you know Gary would still be there at four in the afternoon or like those guys were there all day long, Sal and uh, Richard were doing funny phone calls and all. <laughs> but uh, so I always was like, a huge Howard Stern fan from afar, like is why I wanted to be involved in radio. So, um, yeah, I, I I wish I had spent more time there during his his earlier days, you know, than the '90s or the early 2000s. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't really get to spend all that much time there when he was still there doing the morning.
1: What is your advice to new or young producers out there?
0: Well, I, I always would try to tell them you got to get hooked up with a, a host. You know, so when I was at FAN and I would see up and coming hosts, so like John Jastrinski, I thought, okay, here's a guy that is a young guy, got a lot of energy. He was working all different shifts, but he was never really working with the same guy. And I always felt like somebody's got to go to John and say, "I want to be your producer. I'll work. Let's let's get with management. I'll work every shift you work. You know, and then grow your producer career with his <laughs> hosting career. You know, because I felt like, it, especially when you know, I had worked with Craig at WNEW's carton, but I didn't work on his show, but. When they were looking for a producer for Hin and Boomer at WFAN, Craig said, hey, how about that guy? I used to see him early in the morning working. So I was in early during Craig's show to produce a, a midday show. So Craig used to see me just in at the computer working all morning. So he saw, hey, how about that guy? Seems like he was into doing stuff. <laughs> and I, I was willing to do embarrassing and fun things on the air. So that's how that got. But then, to me, I was like, oh, like uh, when I started that fan, people always saw me as Craig's kind of right hand man, right? So I became synonymous synonymous with Craig. So as Craig grew, I grew, and we were, I think, at that point, not sep- not you, you know, there would be no reason why management would separate me from Craig ever. You know what I mean? So there is also this idea that, hey, you become this guy's guy, then you're less likely to get affected by, uh, you know, budget cuts or... When when the host wants you to be the person to do something, you'll get that job and maybe it comes with extra pay and if they're going to do an appearance, they want you to come with them because they're comfortable with you. So I always thought it was good to for a young producer to find a young talk show host that they could kind of pair up for their careers, if possible.
1: Great conversation with Al Dukes. I wish for his sake he had gotten to work with Howard Stern a little more uh, directly and for a little bit longer because I can only imagine the stories that would have come out if he had had like a 10-year run with him. I thought the uh, information there and the advice on young producers attaching themselves to young hosts, I thought that that was great because you're right. He's right. You become indispensable – When you become somebody's guy and in a world where budget cuts are very real and where radio stations are looking to do things as cheaply as possible, sometimes producers are easy ones to get rid of. You're a lot harder to get rid of when you are somebody prominence guy. I thought that was something very worthwhile to come out of the end of that conversation. So thanks very much to Al Dukes for his time. We'll see you in the next episode of the Barrett Sports Media Producers
0: Podcast. You don't want to believe it, but maybe the show is over. Thank you for listening to the Producers Podcast. To enjoy past and future episodes, check out iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and BarrettSportsMedia.com.